Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a four-part series entitled Joyride. This sermon series will teach all the ways to unpack the DNA of contagious joy and live with it overflowing. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Welcome. Glad you are here at New Hope Church uh, at any of our campuses. We are thrilled. In fact, why don't we here at Central, we're just going to glump them all together today. Why don't we just give it up for all of our campuses all over the place. Cinco de Mayo. It's my twin boy's birthday today. It's always easy to remember. They, uh, they turned 14 years old today. So if you, yeah, I know, I know. If you see Benjamin or Wesley, uh, give them a little love. I'm so proud of you boys and the young men of God that you're becoming. Bonjour. Bonjour. One more time. Bonjour. It's good morning in uh, Creole. We just came back from Haiti and uh, we had a fabulous time and it is so Good to be back with you. I, I just want to take a few moments uh, before we even get into the message just to, to say a few things to you. Um, the first thing is this. Go on a missions trip. I really, really, really encourage you to go on a missions trip. Um, we, we do three a year. We, we do two trips to Haiti. And uh, we've adopted a community called Bo Oak. And it's just the most beautiful community uh, I've ever experienced. And it really changed me forever this week. And that's in Haiti. And we've adopted a community in Kiria, Kenya, K-I-R-E-A, Kiria, Kenya, or K-I-R-I-A, Kiria, Kenya. And uh, we go there once a year. And that trip is coming up. And now's the time to register for the Kenya trip. And uh, just mark your Connect card. And you've already turned those in. That happens when we, when, we, when we do our offering up front. But you've got time, um, or you can just let somebody know. Um, just, just go. I'm really encouraging everybody to go on a trip uh, at least once in the next five years, if you consider this your church home. And, uh, man, your giving each and every week uh, helps support these communities. We send financial gifts to them every single month. And uh, the progress that is actually being made in these communities as a result of New Hope Church is, is really breathtaking. So way to go. Uh, the, the second thing I'd want to say to you is um, I'm just honored to be your pastor. I've been, I've, been, uh, I've, been, I've been traveling a lot these days, and thank you, Jesus, I'm not traveling for about six weeks, and I'm so thrilled about that. But here's, here's what I discover when I travel like this, I discover uh, two things. Um, one is there's no place like New Hope. And I, I, can, I can go all over the world and I, I still, I want to be at New Hope Church. There is no place like this church. And, uh, and the second thing I've already said is I'm, I'm just so honored. Thank you for letting me serve you. I, I love you. I miss you when I'm away. And it is so very good to be back um, last thing I want to say to you is uh, you do not want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, remember I told you a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, I, I've got one big announcement for you. Well, that's turned into like two or three big announcements. So don't, I'm serious, we've got two to three big honking announcements next Sunday that you do not want to miss. Plus, it's just going to be a great Mother's Day. Uh, and then um, lastly, uh, before we get into Joyride, I want to say a few things. Have you enjoyed this series? It's been incredible. And you're clapping like it was probably a, a three um, on a scale of one to 10. Um, I, I trust you just were just thinking about it, or maybe I just need to wake up and smell the coffee. That's really not as good as I think it was. Um, uh, let's try it again. Have you enjoyed the series? Okay, okay. Actually, I know you have because the volume of comments have, have, have gone through the roof and we're kind of getting our joy back around here. The packets will be available in the resource center today. This is one that you need to revisit, church. And if God has been awakening a joy factor in you or 
if you realize you still have some improvement, you still need a little help getting the joy of the Lord deep in your heart, I want to share with you four books very, very quickly that I have read. They've helped me preach this series, and they're phenomenal. One, and, and you might want to take notes if you want to buy a book, okay? Well, I don't know if we have these at the Resource Center, but I'd imagine you can order it if you want, or you can pick it up anywhere you want. The one is the 4-8 principle from Philippians 4-8. That's by Tommy Newberry. The 4-8 principle by Tommy Newberry. It's a great, great book. The second one, Seven Things That Steal Your Joy by Joyce Meyer. Seven Things That Steal Your Joy by Joyce Meyer. She's a fabulous speaker. I've heard her multiple times, and she's a great author. The third book that I would highly recommend is Choose Joy, Because Happiness is Not Enough, by Kay Warren. Choose Joy, Because Happiness is Not Enough. And the fourth one, this is just a phenomenal read, is uh, Laugh Again, Experiencing Outrageous Joy, by Charles Swindoll. Four great books. Summer is coming. If you're like me, your reading probably picks up in the summertime. Here are some great resources for you to get. And maybe our resource center, since I just announced that, will work on getting us some of those books in the resource center. You ready to go? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for what you've done in this series. God, I just personally give you thanks. I've shared from this stage how The season that we had been in had a way of stealing our joy, and I found myself losing it. God, thank you that you've led, that you've spoken, and that my joy in you has returned, and that New Hope Church is getting right back where she's always been. We give you thanks for this church. We ask that you continue to do a great work in our lives even today. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. So here's the deal. I titled this message, A Joyful, Grace-Filled Goodbye. Because if there's anything most of us know, it can be a little harder to maintain your joy as you age. Let's just be real up in here today. Getting old stinks. And some of the young people in here are like, no, it's not. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Beloved, you don't know squat. You wait and you shall see. Getting old stinks. W.C. Fields, does that ring a name? Ring ring a bell? W.C. Fields was famous for, among other things, the drunken, rascally character he played. When W.C. Fields was on his deathbed, a friend came into his room and found him reading a Bible. (laughs) And his friend said, what in the world are you doing reading the Bible? And W.C. Fields said, I'm looking for loopholes. (laughs) Getting old can be difficult. And on top of that, listen, death is one of those subject matters that most people, you included, avoid like the plague. You know you do. And if you know anything about New Hope, you know that we like to talk about everything that life throws our way. So let's just talk about what it is like to live life. Let's just talk about what it is like to know that we are going to die. Let's just talk about what it is like to realize that it doesn't matter if you are a believer or an unbeliever. Life has hardships along the way. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, it rains on the just and the unjust. Life can be difficult. And I wish I could promise you a rose garden, particularly if you're not a Christian. I I believe I could get everybody to become a Christian if I could say to them without a doubt, listen, life is going to become like a rose garden. You just just get saved and everything is going to be glorious from this day forward. I can't say that. Some pastors say that. That's a lie. So this this message today is, is dedicated... To one of my good friends, Pastor Reagan May, who was the pastor of Christ United Methodist Church in Southern Village in Chapel Hill, who I helped start that church with Reagan May. We were in seminary together, and then we started that church together. I wasn't the senior pastor. He was. 
And in 2005, life got so hard for Reagan, or at least he thought, that he decided to take his life. Changed me forever. Life is hard. It can be tough. And the question that I would throw at all of our campuses today is, can the believer live life in such a way that even as he or she ages, come on, even as we get older, even as we start to face our mere mortality, can a believer actually walk through life getting more joyful as he or she goes? Can a believer live life in such a way that when they pass from this world into the next, they can do so as a joyful, graceful goodbye? The two things I hope this church is most known for, joy and grace. Can we pass from this world with a joyful, graceful goodbye? Brian Sibley wrote the autobiography for C.S. Lewis, which became a great movie, by the way. It did very, very well called Shadowlands. C.S. Lewis, remember that? Have you seen it? Anthony Hopkins played in the movie. Great, great story of C.S. Lewis's life. He married a woman named Joy. And C.S. Lewis tells the story that as his beloved bride, Joy, was on her deathbed... She said her last words to C.S. Lewis was, I'm at peace with God, and she passed. And C.S. Lewis would later comment and recall, she smiled as she passed away, but not at me. She smiled, but not at me. Is it possible? Absolutely as possible. Paul, the great apostle Paul, when he got to the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have won the prize. There awaits for me a crown of righteousness. I love how the message translation puts it. And if you got your Bibles, open them up because this is the passage that we're going after today. It's just a few verses. It's an amazing passage. I love the way the message puts 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, I want to hear it at all the campuses. Say, bring it. Bring it. I'm about to die. My life, an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish. I've believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting. Come on now. All that's left now is the shouting. God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right, and not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. The word of God, church, for the people of God. Thanks, what? Be to God. What I want to do in closing today as we wrap up this series is I want to just offer a few final exhortations. As I was away this week thinking about it in Haiti, just spending time, I, I thought, you know, I just want to give three final words. But again, this series shall not end today with you. I hope you pursue this as a lifelong endeavor. I hope you buy these books. I hope you go to the Resource Center and buy this CD packet today. Because joy is something you have to pursue intentionally every day of your life. But I want to give you just three final exhortations, and they're right from these few verses. Here's the first one. Take out your teaching notes. Grab your pen. Can't imagine why anyone would not want to take notes on a message on joy. If there's anybody here who doesn't want joy in your life, I mean, like, you're like, I don't want joy. Forget you, pastor. I don't want to smile. I want to be called Dr. Dry Dust for the rest of my life. <laughs> or Miss Grimley. If that's you, then um, don't take notes. In fact, if you want, go and stand up and slip out if you want. Because <laughs> she ain't going to do anything for you. Number one. Here we go. Ready? 
Run the only race worth running. Write it in. Run the only race worth running. Church, listen to me. Some of you are here and you kind of do the pseudo-Christian thing. You're kind of a Christian in this environment and you're not a Christian in this environment. You wear a mask here, then you wear another mask here. You spend your life, you're straddling the fence. You are what the book of Revelation calls lukewarm. If that is you, let me go ahead and save you the trouble and let you know that life will be utterly exhausting for you and you will never experience joy. You won't. We're saved by faith through grace alone. Amen? There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Amen? But let me go ahead and tell you, if all you do is accept Christ and you don't run his race, you are going to be one sourpuss, miserable Christian. If you don't run the race to become, here's a word you don't hear much in the church anymore, and I'm, I'm ready to bring it back. Holiness. If you, if you, ah, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm glad somebody's clapping for that because we should. If, if you just become a Christian and you just kind of stay as you are and you don't intentionally pursue holiness, we call it full devotion to Jesus, where the old self dies and you actually are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ as your life unfolds. If you just stay an awful sinner, but you're saved, life will stink for you. You'll be miserable. The joy comes when we run the race, the only race worth running. When we actually pursue, we don't play games. We go all in. Have you guys ever heard of the, the wonderful saint of a woman, Joni Erickson Tata? An amazing woman of God. One of my favorite people on the planet. I don't know her personally. Never heard her speak. Just have followed her and, and just watched her and heard her speak on the radio and stuff. She tells about being surrounded in a restroom at a woman's conference. And she's in the restroom. And if you don't know Joni, she was, she was paralyzed. She's a quadriplegic from an automobile accident. Here's a, here's a picture from, her, from uh, right after the accident, okay? So she, this is right after the accident. But she is someone who realized, listen, that life will sometimes give you lemons. Winners turn the lemons into lemonade. And so the, here, is, here she is, you know, recently, if I'm not mistaken, in a canoe, She was in a restroom at a women's conference, and these prim and proper women, about four of them, gathered around her and said, Joni, you always look so put together and happy in your wheelchair. How do you do that? And Joni said that she took a deep breath and realized, I've got about 60 seconds to answer these women before the break is over. What could I possibly say to help them understand what my life is like. How could I sum up what has taken me three decades to learn? And she said this, I don't do it. That raised their eyebrows. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning and several women leaned against the counter to listen. She said, quote unquote, this is an average day, she breathed deeply. And after my husband Ken leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m., That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray. Oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath. Get me dressed. Sit me up in my chair. Brush my hair and my teeth. And send me out of the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day. But you do. May I have yours, God. I need you desperately today. And and one of the ladies said, "So, so what happens when your friend finally comes into the room? Joni said this. I turn my head toward her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine. It's God's. And so whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. And it's the only way to live. It's the Christian way 
to live. So you're going through a difficult time right now. It's beyond your power to smile. That's all right. But you need to know that far beneath the surface where no one else can see, there is an inexpressible joy that is available, listen church, to each and every one of us. You've got to figure out how to tap into that. You've got to figure out how to unlock that for you. And you can do it. Doesn't matter how tough life is for you. I was in Haiti this week. I've never seen such dire circumstances. I'm talking little children <laughs> carrying five gallon buckets of water that they've had to walk miles to get. Little kids <laughs> carrying two of them. A few people in our group picked them up and we couldn't even go 25 yards. Women going to the river, filling up these five-gallon jugs, sitting them on top of their head, and walking miles. No running water. No electricity. Malaria. Death. Stinks to get old in, uh, in Haiti. You think it stinks to get old here? With no medical care, Hardly. With no medicine, people dying all the time from things that you and I would just get simple prescriptions for and live. Simple procedures for and live. Never seen life harder than what I experienced this week. And I've been all over the world. This, this, this is more difficult than Kenya. And I thought Kenya was something. <laughs> but here's the kicker. <laughs> I've never seen such joy. Like, can, can I show you a few pictures? We, we, we spent three days. This was my favorite part of this trip. We spent three days registering 200 kids. 200 kids that you're going to get a chance to adopt on Memorial Day weekend. Not adopt. I'm sorry. You're thinking, well, I got room in my house. I'm sorry. That was the wrong word. <laughs> adopt would be good too. That you're going to get a chance to sponsor and make a profound difference in their lives. I mean, we are loading it up for you. We already adopt two of them, one in, one in, uh, one in uh, Kiria, Kenya, and then there's the other one, Eunice. I forgot exactly where she is, but there are pictures on our refrigerator. We're, we're bringing it back to you. We took 200 pictures uh, of these kids and registered them, all this stuff. While we were doing that, I, I just took a picture of this shot of these beautiful kids lined up. They were just watching us do our thing. Look, look at the joy. They, they, they have their school uniforms on. Let's see another one. I brought a few for you today. That was in a soccer field. Look at, look at the joy. These aren't poses. These are just shots that we captured. Here's one more. With my wife. Life couldn't be more dire. And these people have an unbelievable joy. Happiness, listen church, listen closely. Happiness is based upon existential circumstances. Joy, on the other hand, is based upon knowing Christ inside and running the only race worth running. Happiness is superficial, based upon my predicament and circumstances. But joy, unbridled joy, unbridled laughing and, and happiness in God, if you will, is something that we, here's a key word, I'm going to come back to this as the day unfolds, we choose. We choose. If you're ready for number two, say, bring it, Pastor. Bring it number two, write it in. Live for God's applause. Oh, my Lord. Live for God's applause. One of the ways in which the enemy has stolen our joy in America and in the Western world is that you, if you are not careful, will become a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. And listen, you can never please everyone all of the time. You can't even please some of the people all the time. If you suffer from being a people pleaser, 
It'll steal your joy. Pastors out there, leaders, pastors, student pastors, pastors of this church. Listen, if you're in the ministry, this is one of the things that kills people. They start trying to please people instead of God. You can't please people all the time, nor should you try. Live your life, listen, before an audience of one. When I get up here and preach, often I will actually picture that. And I know you're all here, but most of the time I'll actually think about the place being empty and Jesus sitting in here. Because when I preach, I'm not here to please you. I love you. I serve you. But if I offend you, that's the gospel. The gospel is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. Get you some of that. I'll repeat it for those of you who kind of dozed off. The gospel is to comfort the afflicted. Can I get an amen? amen. And the gospel is to afflict the comforted. I'll hack you off sometimes. You'll hack me off sometimes. It's all good in the hood. I just took that from my twin boy, Benjamin. He loves to say that on his birthday. That's for you, B. Come on now. Some of you walk around and all you're trying to do is please people. Here's an idea. Forget people and please God. I like you. I love that you love to clap. People like her make me preach better. Come on, church. If you try to please people, you'll be miserable, number one. And number two, you might hear dreaded words in Scripture. Matthew 25. You can flip over there if you want, but you don't have to. Matthew 25. Great parable of the virgins, the ten virgins. Then there's a great parable of the, of the talents. Or the newer translations call it the bags of gold. And in Matthew 25, you get to the end of this passage where Jesus has taught these parables. And he's, he's teaching about how you are to live your life. And he says, hey, when you get to the end of it all, you're going to hear one of two things. Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. Like, my goal in life, when I, <laughs> when I get to the end of it all. Quite honestly, I don't give a flip whether you like me. I really don't. If that offends you, I'm sorry. I mean, I, 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 I love you. I want to enjoy you. I want to be around you. And then probably it's an overstatement to say I don't give a flip if you like me. I mean, I guess I kind of want to be liked. But I guess what I'm trying to say is in comparison to pleasing God, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? I mean, like, if I'm doing my job, I should hack you off about once a month. <laughs> I've never said that till right then. Like, I mean, if I'm preaching prophetically the word of the Lord, the truth, I should offend you on a regular basis. And guess what? I'm offended when I read the gospel and God is chastening me and sharpening me and transforming me. Offending is not the right word. I'm convicted. I'm challenged. I should be challenging you. Right? So when we get to heaven, at the end of the day, if I'm, if I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ, what does it matter whether, whether you pleased me or I pleased you? What really matters is what my Lord says. And the Bible says he's either going to say, well done, good and faithful, Serving or keep looking in Matthew 25, go down to verse 41, or he's going to say this Depart from me, you who are. And you go, I don't like the word cursed. I don't like to be called cursed. Neither do I. That's what I mean. The word challenges me. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire. You go, well, I don't like the concept of eternal fire. Come on, pastor, quit talking about these things I don't like. <laughs> I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. The Bible says heaven and hell are real. And real people go there. 
Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. <laughs> nice tension in the room right now. This is good. This is good. I don't mind tension. Let me see a show of hands at all of our campuses. Let me see a show of hands if you don't mind tension. That's what I thought. About 30% of you raised your hand. <laughs> Tony Campolo, ring a bell. Tony Campolo, a great Christian sociologist, psychologist, great, great Christian man, speaker, author. Tony Campolo goes to a church in West Philadelphia. It's an all African American church. And, uh, he says he goes there. He makes no bones about it. He says he goes there because it's the best preaching in the country. And he, he shares about um, one day being at a funeral service in this church in West Philadelphia. And if you've ever been to a funeral service at an African-American church, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a little different than a funeral at a white church. <laughs> Some of you are like, I didn't realize that. Well, you just heard it. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite different. And I have, and it's, 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 it's awesome. And here are some of the differences. In an in, in all-white church, and who, is, who here is thankful that this is an incredibly diverse church? Yeah. Woo! Love it. And getting more so by the week. Well, the, if you go to a white funeral... And I know I'm, I'm overly stereotyping, so forgive me. I'm broad stroking here, and so I'm not, I'm not meaning to. I'm just trying to point out some differences. If you go to a white funeral, most of the time it's very subdued. It's very quiet. If they weep, they weep quietly. They'll get a little Kleenex, and you know, that's how we do. That's how we roll. <laughs> if you're like me, you don't cry at all. I mean, you're not, you're not a big crier, but I, I cry more as I get older, actually. Um, and I listen to my tears. Side note, boop, sidebar. When you cry, pay attention to your tears. Unless you cry all the time. <laughs> and then you just might need therapy. Um, <laughs> woo, gonna have fun up in here today. Uh, the, the white church is very subdued and it's very, very quiet. And the black church, they well. Weep, gnash their teeth, whatever that looks like. That's a biblical phrase. I, I've actually seen, it's a beautiful thing. They're, they might be a little more in touch with their emotions. I, I've seen African-Americans go up to the casket. And, and, and cry over it. And well, and, and, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's just different. And I love the fact that we're different. Amen. Um, well, Tony Capello tells about being at this funeral and the pastor was preaching at the funeral and all this was going down. And, and then the pastor walked over to the casket and started preaching to the dead body. Something I would have never thought of. I've done a lot of funerals. I'm preaching to the living, not the dead. Tony's preaching to the dead, dude. And he's preaching to him and he's wailing and wailing. And then, he, and then he took the casket and he said, Clarence, that was his name. Clarence, <laughs> good night. Bam, and slammed the casket. What? <laughs> now that's some drama right there. If you're going to go to a funeral, man, you might as well get some of that. <laughs> and, then, and then the choir started singing on that, let me make sure, I, I don't even know if I know, on, uh, on that great get up moment, we shall rise. Y'all know that old spiritual? Clarence? <laughs> good night, bam! And the choir kicks in on that great morning, we shall all rise. See, that's just good stuff. And after the pastor preached to Clarence <laughs> and slammed the casket and the choir sang, the pastor looked at the people and he said, Children, you are going to die. One of these days, 
They're going to take you out into the cemetery, drop you in a hole, throw some dirt on your face, and go back to your house or the church and eat potato salad. Get you some of that. Check it. When you were born, you alone were crying. And everybody else was happy. The important question I want to ask you is this. When you die, are you alone going to be happy? Leaving everyone else crying? The answer depends on whether you live life. Listen, listen, listen. To get titles or testimonies. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. When they lay you in the grave, that old pastor said, are people going to stand around reciting the fancy titles you earned? Or are they going to stand around giving testimonies? Well, of the good things you did for them. Will you leave behind just a newspaper column Telling people how important you were. Or will you leave crying people who give testimony of how they've lost the best friend they've ever had. There's nothing wrong with titles, he said. Titles are a good thing to have. But if it ever comes down to a choice between a title or a testimony, choose testimony. Whose applause are you living for? What are you living for? We can store our treasures up on the things of this world, but I'm here to let you know, church, that in the end, they will all be destruction, sadness, and despair. Your stuff, my stuff, will rust and decay. The other option, come on, come on, come on, come on, is to live life for the world to come. I know I'm moving around here a lot. Stick with me, folks. Stick with me. Uh, production team, I want to go ahead and say this right now. I don't want to miss this moment. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? If you live your life for this world, you will lose the one to come. If you live your life For the world to come, you will get this one thrown in. They're going to find it in a second, hopefully, and they're going to put it up there. If you live for this world alone, listen, church, you lose the world to come. But if you live for the world to come, you get this one thrown in. Titles. Or testimonies. Come on, come on. Pharaoh had a title. Moses had a testimony. Jezebel had the title of queen. Come on, church. But Elijah had the testimony. Nebuchadnezzar had the title. Daniel had a testimony. The Pharisees had titles. Peter, James, and John, and all the other disciples except Judas had a testimony. Pilate had a title. Jesus had a testimony. What are you living for? Titles or testimony? Number three, come on, number three, number three. I know I talked about this in week two, but I'm going to bring it back up. Keep one eye on heaven. Keep one eye on heaven. It's really worth wrapping the series up with this point. Because can I just let you know that without the concept of heaven, I don't know that joy could actually be acquired in this sin-scarred, broken, jacked-up world. Come on. Without a biblical, clear, HD vision of heaven... I just don't know. 
And so if you want joy in your life, see, like some of you, I, I just made this connection. This is not in my notes, but it's worth unpacking for a moment. Some of you don't think about heaven much because, like I said in the beginning, you avoid death like the plague. Oh, that's good. I'm preaching to myself right now. I, 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 didn't even, I didn't even think about that until this very moment. Some of you, because you avoid death, you therefore avoid the concept of heaven and hell. And because you avoid the concept of heaven and hell, you don't get the beauty and the benefits of thinking about heaven. Therefore, you don't have much joy. Like, heaven is real. And it's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about the Christian faith that enables the Christian to live, listen, with one foot firmly planted on planet earth and the other foot firmly planted, if you will, or I toward heaven, realizing that when it's all over on that great getting up morning, I'm going to a place where there shall be no more tears. I'm going to a place where joy shall abound. I'm going to a place where I will be with all the saints of old. Those loved ones. My friends. Those Christians that I couldn't stand. We're going to get along in heaven. Thanks be to God. Keep one eye on heaven. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, Lord, this is why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at what he says here. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, then we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. Let's read the next part together. Ready? Go. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people. Most to be pitied. Do you see it? If there is no resurrection of Christ. And if his resurrection doesn't enable you and me as believers. If you're a believer. If you're a believer I'm not talking to you. If you're not a believer you need to first settle who's your savior. And then you tap into all this stuff I'm talking about today. So it's been a good message for you to be here and just listen in. But, but if you're a believer. If Christ was not raised from the dead then we're, we're, we should be pitied. And if he was raised from the dead, but his resurrection doesn't enable me to be resurrected into a new heavenly body form when I die. If that is not true, we just should be pitied. Pitiful. It, life becomes pitiful. If that's what we experience. But the gospel declares, come on church, that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And because God raised him from the dead, the Bible promises that everyone who puts their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ, his blood, his resurrection, when we die, we will have a great getting up morning. Now you're clapping like you had a tennis match. That's something to clap about. Thank you, Lord. That's something to clap about. Paul is like, dude, if this is all we got, pitiful. Paul says, listen, I know life can be hard. It can be difficult. Diagnosis can be dreadful. Loved ones can be taken Babies, we can lose parents. Bombs can blow up when people are trying to be healthy and run marathons. I have a team at this church. It's called the Sermon Research Team. They bless me. Um, 
I give them my sermon topics months in advance and passages of scripture, and they, they go to work. I've equipped them with lots of resources, and they go to work, and they prepare messages. Not messages. Ooh, that would be bad. Um, it wouldn't be bad for them. It'd be bad for me to just be preaching their messages. You know what I mean. If they prepared a message, it would probably be good. That came out wrong. Now, are you tracking? You tracking? Sermon research team's like, forget you. You said it'd be bad. No, no. Your sermon would have been great. I just don't believe in preaching someone else's sermon. They, they, get me, they get me stuff. They get me stuff, and I work it and rework it. Like if I look at a great sermon, they'll sometimes send me lots of sermons, and I'll rework it and make it mine. And I, they're, they're very, very valuable to me. They, they, they enable me to do a lot. I also have a PhD student who, who does extra sermon research, and he sends me stuff because I'm a busy dude. And so they, 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 they help me. They take away about 10 hours of research off my plate that I would have to do to, to preach, hopefully, decent sermons. And then even when they give it to me, I still have about 10 to 15 hours of sermon prep that I do with the stuff they give me. Some people ask me all the time, how much time do you spend on sermons? It comes to about 15, 20 hours a week. So they give me all this stuff, so I, I lay it out, and I'm looking at all their stuff, and then I go at crafting messages and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and hopefully you're blessed and God gets the glory and all that kind of stuff. A few, a few weeks ago, I was reading one from one of the people on the sermon research team. And I was reading her research, and she, she put some personal notes in there, kind of like parenthetically, you know, give me all this research and word study and illustrations and all that kind of stuff. And, and then she said, but let me tell you a little bit about my story. I read it, and it stopped me in my tracks. I actually stopped the sermon preparation process for about 30 minutes just to reflect upon her story, to pray for her. And while I did that, God was like, everybody else needs to hear this story. And so I grabbed her in church one Sunday, just a few weeks ago, and I said, could we get that? Could New Hope experience that? And she graciously said, yeah. Lean in. Lean in hard, church. This one will stick with you for a while. I was about 13 years old when I started wondering about what life was all about, if there was a God, um, what was man's relationship to God, if that was possible. And I asked a lot of people, but nobody really seemed to know the answers. About that time, I found an old King James Bible that someone had given my father when he was a little boy in Sunday school. And I started reading it. From that point on, I really entered into relationship with God. And um, I, I knew him through the Bible. But it was about six years before I met another believer that actually had a relationship with him. It was a big leap of growth for me when I got into fellowship and into Bible-believing churches. I know we're supposed to be joyful and praise God no matter what. But sometimes, life just isn't funny. Many years ago, I found myself in a failing marriage, and I had just learned that my fourth pregnancy was in danger. I had to go on bed rest for a whole month. And I prayed. When you're on bed rest, there's a lot of time to pray. And I just prayed and prayed that God would heal my pregnancy and save my little baby. And one June morning, I gave birth prematurely to a little baby girl named Carissa. And I held her in my arms while she slowly died. God did not answer my prayers. Why? I'd been a Christian for 20 years at that point. I had been trying to obey Him and follow Him and serve Him and make him the Lord of my life, and I didn't feel like he was doing his part. I believed in God. It would have been easier if I didn't believe there was a God up there. And I knew that he was powerful. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He could save my little baby girl. So the only why I could come up with is that he just didn't love me. He didn't care about me. So what good is a God who doesn't answer your big prayers and doesn't love you. Well, I didn't love him either. So I decided to unchristian myself. I said, God, 
get out of my heart, get out of my life. I don't want to spend eternity with you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I cursed at God, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, whatever I could think of to get God out of my life. That was one of the darkest times of my life, and it went on like that for months. And then one day, after months of that, I was calming down a little bit. My soul was still. But at this point, when I was calming down a little bit and I just felt that presence, I said, God, what are you still doing here? And that day, I heard his voice as clearly as if it were audible. He said, Bobby, I told you I would never leave you or forsake you. And I went, never? That's what you meant by never. Even when I'm not a good Christian and I'm being sinful and evil and hateful and cursing you and telling you to get out of my life, even then you're not going to forsake me? You're going to keep on loving me? I really never understood unconditional love before that day. I don't want to lose another baby, but I am glad now that I understand what God's covenant unconditional love is all about. I still don't know why my baby had to die. The king of the universe doesn't answer to me. I do know a few things though. I know that he does love me. He loves me more than I love myself. Uh, it says in Zephaniah that God takes delight in me. He quiets me with his love and he rejoices over me. I also know that he loves my baby more than I did, which was a lot. The other thing I know is that God lost a child too. He willingly gave up his son so that I could have that eternal love relationship. If God never answers another one of my prayers on this earth, except that he has given me that eternal relationship because of the cleansing blood of his son, I will have more grace and more mercy and more answered prayer than I would ever deserve. And with that knowledge, I can walk in this broken world with joy. Thank you, Bobby. I want to end where I started today. If you catch anything, would you, would you catch this? Joyride is a choice. Just breathe on that for a moment. Write it in. Joyride is about choice. You, you have to choose joy. And I realize that life is not a continual blooming rose garden. I haven't said this yet in the series. I just want to say it in the end here. I realize chemical imbalances. And I realize depression. And I shared in the beginning, this message is dedicated to my friend, Reagan May, who took his life. And it still breaks my heart. And it still makes me mad as hell. Never forget the day I found out. I was in one of my favorite coffee shops in Southern Village. La Vita Dulce. I was pastoring this church. But because I live in Chapel Hill, I still go over there into Southern Village. It's one of our favorite places. I'm sitting in La Vita Dulce doing sermon prep, interestingly enough. And I get a text that Reagan just took his life. I left my laptop, my book bag, my wallet, everything in there and ran, sprinted from La Vita Dulce to Christ Church. Sat in the narthex with a few of my friends. Said some things I shouldn't have said. I was so 
mad at him. He was in the darkest hole for the longest time and he never shared it with anybody. He just kept it in. And so I get all of that. And if you're here and you're on medication or you're getting help and all that kind of stuff, I would just say I understand. I empathize with you. I would also say be very careful. Be very careful who you talk to today. Make sure you're getting good, solid Christian counseling. Be sure what you get hooked on. But I get all that and I understand there are times for that. But joyride is a choice. You can choose it. And for some of you, it's easier to choose than others of you. And again, that's why I wanted you to just be very empathetic here. But you can choose it. It's why you need to take this series and you need to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. This stuff will not come just by sitting in here on a Sunday morning and taking in a 45, 55-minute message. You've got to digest this. You've got to integrate it. You've got to chew on it a while. You've got to appropriate it. You've got to practice it. Especially... If this is an area where you struggle, especially if life has just stunk for you. I mean, life stunk for me for 18 years. Stunk. And I've spent 20 years of my life, 18, without Christ. I've spent 22 years with Christ. And I can let you know, listen, joy is possible. Joy is possible. And we live in a victim mentality culture. And I realize I'm, I'm probably about to go over a little bit on my time. But I don't give a flip. Do you? Stick with me. i got to say a few final things here. i got a sermon brewing inside of me called the most, the most powerful person in the world. And the most powerful person in the world is not President Barack Obama. The most powerful person in the world is not Roy Williams, you Carolina people. It's not Coach K, you Duke people. The most powerful person in the world surely ain't me. The most powerful person in the world today in this jacked up 21st century is the victim. Oh, sit on that one. Because if you can make yourself out to be a victim today, then everybody's going to pander to you. And we all just want to be victims. And that jacked up mess has has filtrated into the church where everybody wants to be a victim oh my mom did this or my dad did this oh I never knew my oh I never knew my parents oh I was abused when I was a kid oh I have a sorry job oh I married the wrong person the first time and the second time and the third time No offense, but I told you the gospel will offend. If that's you, beloved, what is the common denominator in all of those marriages? That would be you. Oh, I just lost some people right there. You'll never come back. I love you. I love you. So I never see you till heaven. I love you. I hope you'll come back. Victim, victim, victim. Some of you are so caught up in this, you don't even know it. And and stuff's starting to unravel in your life right now. Everybody wants to be a victim. You hurt my feelings. I'm a victim. You did this. I'm a victim. Life did this. I'm a victim. You say, well, Jesus was a victim. Heck no, he wasn't. He was a victor. When the world tried to make him a victim, God the Father raised him up and said, You are a victor. You need to get out of all that victim mess. I realize life might have been hard for you. It was hard for me. I realize you might hate your job. I realize you might work for the Antichrist. 
I realize this church might do things that make you mad. I realize society might be bad. I realize all of that crap. Some of you need to build a bridge and get over it. I don't have time, but I don't care. I'm going to give you. You want to know the top five insurance reasons? The top five insurance reasons that, that appeared in 2004 for automobile accidents? Here's the top five. Here they are. Here they are. Ready? As I approached the intersection, a stop sign suddenly appeared in a place where no stop sign had ever appear, appeared before. Number five, to avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck the pedestrian. Number four, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my vehicle, and vanished. These are real excuses. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. I had been shopping for plants all day and was on my way home. As I reached an intersection, a hedge sprung up, obscuring my vision. My favorite one, here's the last one. The indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. wasn't my fault it's not my fault it might not be your fault but it is your choice whether or not you remain a victim or whether or not you become a victor it might not be your fault but the choice remains yours whether or not you will live a miserable sad mean ugly life or whether you will tap into the joy ride good lord I gotta stop I could stay up here all day I want this so bad for you I, I want this so bad for you And you can get it. Study these books. Listen to this series. Put it in your car. Put it on your iPad. Spin it. Run it. Work it. Get help if you need help. Contact us. We have, we have approved Christian counselors. We're, we're ready to help you and usher you to people who can really help you. I want this so bad for you. Let's pray together. If you're here, I'm not even going to play around in the prayer. I'm just going to go right to the heart of it. If you're here at all of our campuses and you would choose joy, you would say from this day forward, I'm going to make a conscious effort to choose joy. Would you stand where you are? All eyes closed, heads bowed. Would you just stand if you're going to choose joy? If this is going to be a life-changing series for you? That's kind of what I thought. Would you, again, all, all eyes are closed and heads bowed. Would you at every campus just open up the palm of your hands and turn them toward heaven? You don't have to lift them all up above your head unless you want to go get in Pentecostal. Just, 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 just cup them open toward heaven. Father, your church is here. Your church is gathered. Fill us with your joy. Help us choose joy. And with the combination of you filling us with our hands and hearts and minds opened, coupled with us choosing joy, would my brothers and sisters in Christ from this day forward be on a joy ride with you, Christ? And would my brothers and sisters at all of our campuses, those watching it around the world on the internet, those sitting in front of a television somewhere, would every single one of us, when the time comes for us to pass from this world into the next, would you be so gracious, God, to allow us to experience a joyful, grace-filled goodbye?
until we meet again in this world or the next. We pray it in the name of Jesus who makes it all possible. Amen and amen and amen. I'm going to invite the worship teams to come out at all of the campuses. And we're going to see a song that is just most appropriate. Charles Swindoll in 1991 took his worship leadership team to the Soviet Union. Listen closely. Powerful, powerful story as our worship teams are getting ready. They took their talents to Moscow during the Russian Orthodox Easter in 1991. It was a vast gathering of Christians and non-Christians alike. The actual place of ministry was the Palace of Congress. And the Supreme Soviet had met there for years. But yet when Swindoll and his worship teams were there, check it out. They covered up Lenin. Lenin who always stands there in, in his portrait. They covered Lenin. Swindoll preached the gospel. That Sunday afternoon, the team went out and delivered over 100,000 pamphlets declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when it ended that night, they gathered back in that location and the worship team led a mass worship song God, you reign. And I remember when I heard that, I got to tell you, something swelled up inside of me. I heard Bill Bright tell the story before he passed away at a Catalyst conference in Atlanta. Something welled up inside of me and I said, in your face, Lennon, our God reigns. So let's sing it. Our God reigns. Sing like never before, church. Because Jesus Christ reigns. And he will give you the joy that you so desperately long for. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.